from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. So many Americans look back on the years we were in Afghanistan and we wonder, did we do any good? Did we make things worse? You know, was this a pointless mission? During the time you were there, did you have a sense that things we Even the soldiers didn't know what they are doing there. It's not like here, you know, we have all the family members, even if it's in a different state, but yeah. us, I think uh, it's in our destiny that as soon as you're born, you just split apart because of the situation in Afghanistan. Yeah. You know, we, we have love. We have love for the country because you can only love when you face, when you see struggle in life. I'm Sarah Fenske. Many Americans found themselves again paying attention to Afghanistan in the last few months. The chaotic withdrawal of U.S. troops was perhaps a reminder of a war that some of us found all too easy to put out of mind in recent years. Earlier this month, I visited an Afghan family living in South St. Louis County to get their thoughts on the situation. Kais Miraj is a former Afghan interpreter for the U.S. military. He moved to St. Louis in 2009. Kais owns a business and is raising his family here. But especially in recent months, his thoughts have returned to Afghanistan. Well, uh, basically in Afghanistan... You know, it's not like here, you know, we have all the family members, even if it's in different state. But yeah. us, I think uh, it's in our destiny that as soon as you're born, you just split apart because of the situation in Afghanistan. Yeah. So, you know, there are, I mean, we do have pretty decent, you know, counts or numbers of family members, but some of them are in overseas so for the ones who are in Afghanistan today, with the situation in that country, the Taliban back in charge, are, are any in fear of their lives? Yeah, definitely. Because, uh, you know, Taliban played a role in 1996. So whatever they left behind, you know, their actions and stuff, people are really not in trust that how they're going to, you know, settle everything in Afghanistan with a, without a proper democracy. Mm-hmm. So they are in fear, uh, you know, financially, emotionally, mentally. And do you know family members who at this point are actively trying to get out come to the U.S.? Yeah, in our family, uh, you know, my brother-in-laws, they were like both young. So one was under 20 and another one is 23, 22. They were eagerly trying to make out from Afghanistan and... Uh, they stayed in airport for three days, two days, you know, without food and anything. And if you've seen all the images and videos, the, you know, uh, it was really harsh. At mm-hmm. one point, Taliban's were there. And then uh, there was a suicide bombing, if you heard. Mm-hmm. It was three or seven, I don't know. In the media, they said three, but my, you know, people and my family members said it was seven mm-hmm. suicide bombing. If I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. So they survived that attack, actually. Because they, they were, were there, they were there actually for two days, literally. I mean, there were no space to even sleep. Yeah. And they were like, it's been like three, four days they were trying. So th- when they were leaving, 
the gates were opening so they were like you know we we gonna just stay there and see what's gonna happen so uh the younger brother-in-law he got a little hungry and he was like you know i'm gonna go and eat something so he grabbed his brother too and was like let's go out so as soon as they went to the nearest uh you know sandwich shop or whatever the stall is and they heard the you know this blast so they called us it was like this this thing happened what you want us to do because they were just waiting for our you know what we want them to do mm-hmm. so we were like no just you know get out of that place and we'll see because we were in touch with uh, senators and you know congressmen and mm-hmm. so many other departments so whatever they were guiding us we were guiding them yeah i mean it's really hard oh it's terrifying it's it's really hard and so at that point they left the airport they left the airport and uh they didn't have any place but they found some you know close family friends and stuff so they stayed there they are still there right now uh, are you able to be in contact with them now even yes 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 we are in, like in a daily basis we are in touch with them uh through cell phones and they're still actively trying to get out yes uh there are so many stuff uh, we are getting emails that you do this do that get the visa for the nearest country this and that uh, and there are no flights how are you going to go to other countries yeah you know, you're not going to walk mountains yeah so everyone has so, advice but nobody really knows here's the one thing to nobody do nobody knows what basically taliban's going to do mm-hmm. you know and press con- conferences in qatar or you know uh, what do you call uh, doha mm-hmm. they their spokesperson is whatever he's saying i mean nobody really believes what's going to happen yeah so i don't know i mean your brothers who are brother-in-laws who are still there have conditions gotten worse in afghanistan since the us withdrawal well so far they are like uh they're hiding mm-hmm. so they really don't go out there are no media mm-hmm. i think the telecommunication system is down if i'm not wrong uh so they don't they, even really, they really know. Don't know yeah you know as far as concern about you know how they're going to survive because banking institutions are shut down so it's it's really hard so they were there at the airport there in the final days um how do you feel about how the us handled its withdrawal well according to my analysis which i was uh, talking to other like citizens of uk and other countries they pretty much handled pretty decently what they did was uh, in the beginning days they were just choosing a point they were you know sending emails to their us citizens or whoever was like they were saying just go there we will send a chopper or whatever it is we will just pick you up from there uh, we did receive emails in fact they received a call from a random person like hey um you know who's there with you it's a us they said yeah my sister in law is there too at that point and we are uh you know the brothers we we are just waiting for our interview everything the case is approved and everything is approved so they said you know what um just hang on i'm going to send you some information in my next call and they all he also spoke with my wife and uh, he was like you know they are working on it but all in a sudden within within two days we heard that you know the forces are withdrawing and they are going back again so everything was like hopeless you know at that point we were hopeless frankly speaking 
And so for these young men, I mean, they were so close to mm-hmm. being able, you know, they're in the final stages having this approval. They just had to do the interview. In fact, <laughs> oh, it's so frustrating. Yeah, it was actually uh, my sister-in-law, husband, brother. So they and four people were like, you know, trying to get out of that place. So they, they were like, okay, let's go all together. So these two, I mean, they, they were just, they didn't have no case, nothing. I mean, he worked for uh, some government, like intelligence or something. So they separated the lines and those two guys went out, you know, like in front. And they took them inside the gates. And these two guys were watching us like, we were here from past six days and we couldn't able to get the chance to even yeah. pass this gate or checkpoint. And that's when they were like, geez, I mean, we have cases approved and we are still sitting here. I mean, it's I know right now it's funny, but it's 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 really it was hard because I was like 24 hours, me, my wife and my mother-in-law. We were in touch with them Mm -hmm. and they were literally just sitting. I mean, 24 hours just sitting because there was no place to even stand. And the randomness of somebody can just end up cutting the line just because of a fluke. And then people who have their papers and they're almost all set to go. It it seems like you have a better attitude about this than I would. (laughs) Like you're kind of just chalking this up to life is a mess. Exactly, exactly. So You're not uh, angry at the U.S. for bungling this? Well, they could have been done better job, basically. They could have been done better job. Uh, But, you know, it's all politics i really don't want to blame or i don't want to play this game blame game so but they really didn't did uh what they were supposed to do Mm -hmm. you know and now they're there in hiding yeah it's not just them so many numerous others but let's see what's gonna happen i mean i'm we are really uh, clueless right now what's gonna be the next step and i think they even not talking about anything the people are stuck what they're gonna do because you know only you can watch these uh in uh, TVs and news channels and stuff like what what are their plans what they're gonna do so it's been a week I really haven't heard anything any new uh, strategy that they are gonna do or so we'll see Kais told me that he'd like to see the US do a better job expediting the refugee application process because we've been living without family for long you know uh, it's it's been long, long that sometimes we cannot even get the first time I visited my brothers after five years. It was long, you know. Everybody wants their family, in goods and bads, you know. Either like you can see, her brothers are there, my brothers are there, my mom is here. I'm gonna tell you another story. When we moved here, two of my brothers were stuck in India, so my mom got depression, mm-hmm. you know. And whenever we were having dinner or any other, uh, like lunch or any other meal, my mom was always setting up plates for my brothers. That's how she was depressed. And that was one of the reasons, too, I got blood pressure diagnosed with this kind of, because I was so much tense. Even I had no rest. Even I was coming in nights and I was watching my mom. Three o'clock in the morning, she's standing in the window and just thinking something. It, it's really hard. It's it's really hard to live, you know, without your sons and brothers and sisters and dads. Mm-hmm. Like countless numbers of people, they are waiting for their family. And this kind of incident, seriously, they could have been done better job. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really don't like to. This is my nature. I don't blame no one, but they didn't put any efforts. 
I would say. Mm-hmm. You know, we are supreme. America is supreme. You know that, right? If they wanted to do something, they can do. If this was a priority to priority, get these people out. But yeah. yeah, I didn't see, you know. My U.S. citizen sister-in-law was stuck for four days. And if you s- see her pictures and everything she was sending, my goodness, it was like, I don't know where she was living. Yeah. So she got beaten up by Taliban's. Because there are checkpoints, right, mm-hmm. in the airport that time. So the first two were Taliban's and then U.S. military. Well, Taliban and U.S. military, the third checkpoint, and then fourth was U.S. military checkpoint. So, yeah, she showed the bruises and everything. And yeah, yeah. even some people died with the gunshots because uh, my yeah. brother-in-law, we were talking and we were hearing gunshots like, the, you know, all. So it's it's a... It's a tough situation. Worst experience, I would say. Yeah. One of the worst experience. You know, we got used to from Afghan people, especially Afghanistan. You know, we, we've been learning this from childhood. You know, mm-hmm. run from here to there, here to there, here to there. You know, it's nobody settled until, you know, some of them got lucky and they come to different countries, European or U.S., Kais Mirage left Afghanistan as a child in the mid-1990s when his father, a diplomat, received refugee status in India. Kais eventually made his way to the U.S. in 2009. A year later, he met his wife, Aziza, in St. Louis. They got married in 2014 and became U.S. citizens in 2015. Their four school-aged children are U.S. citizens as well. Aziza came to the U.S. after getting threats over her work in Afghanistan as a women's rights activist. She received political asylum during the George W. Bush administration. Kais told me that this was a time when St. Louis didn't have a big Afghan community or immigrant community, period. It was really hard. It was, it was really hard in the beginning because you have to familiar yourself with the culture, with people, with language, with everything here. It's, it's really hard, like you just going to a different planet. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I'm going to send you to Sri Lanka and you don't know no language and nothing, even though we are, that's good that we have education now, you know, you internationally you go, English is there. So it's easy to communicate with people. So it wasn't that much hard for me because I studied mm-hmm. and I had the qualifications. But uh, it's it's really hard for the one who doesn't who's not familiar with the language. Mm-hmm. It's really really hard. Even now, sometimes I help people, and I was like, "What you were doing three years back? I mean, you've been here three years, and you do you didn't did this, you didn't did." Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm 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 helping them. Yeah. They even don't know uh, what basically you know the government is providing, like benefits and stuff like that. My guest this hour is Kais Mirage. He was born in Afghanistan and is now a U.S. citizen. I spoke with him at his home in St. Louis County last week. He shared his reflections on the immigrant and refugee experience in the U.S. and discussed how his family is impacted by the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. Kais owns his own business now, a gas station in St. Louis's Marine Villa neighborhood. Before that, he worked as a clinical social worker at Barnes Jewish Children's Behavioral Health and did freelance work as an interpreter. Then, in 2010, he decided to take his skill as an interpreter back to Afghanistan. He worked at small military forts throughout the countryside. I wanted to see in my own country, you know, where I was born. So, as soon as I landed in Afghanistan as an interpreter... I also 
uh, observe with people like you know the, there are similar dialogues uh, in Pakistan for Pashto uh, they were hiring people from Pakistan which they didn't even know about the uh, typical culture in mm-hmm. Afghanistan or you know they were not familiar about uh, with uh, all the lands and landmarks and everything uh, so I I was literally like how you can hire a person who doesn't even know how to speak proper Pashto I mean, it's, uh, yeah. There were so many interpreters and even local interpreters. Local impre- interpreters were good, uh, but other ones like they, it was a strict business too. You know, there were like separate uh, companies. They were hiring interpreters and they were doing a contract with U.S. military, so they were getting money out of you know U.S. government. And, you know how? Yeah, there, there's been money a lot involved. Of, yeah. At the end of the day, it's all about money. So. Sounds like it was a frustrating experience. It was. It was frustrating. So many Americans look back on the years we were in Afghanistan and we wonder, did we do any good? Did we make things worse? You know, was this a pointless mission? During the time you were there, did you have a sense that thing, we were making Even the soldiers didn't know what they are doing there. Yeah. So it's regardless, whatever my point of view was like, soldiers didn't know what, what the heck we are doing there. I mean, I was talking to all these soldiers and stuff. It was like, I don't know. We even don't know what we are doing here. And this was years yeah, before the years. withdrawal. Yeah. So the, you saw the results. There are no results. Yeah. Spend whatever the money, time, lives, soldiers, even if in Afghanistan. It's not like even in attacks, they were not just, you know, hitting uh, bad people or Taliban. It was like civilians, countless, numerous, like videos in a week, four, five like we have family members, so we know better than, you know, who's here in America, what's go- actually going on. In fact, I'm going to tell you one, a pretty decent story, like uh, my own family, my father's uh, sister. So my aunt's son, she's no more, but my aunt's son's family, remaining family, he worked in UAE, but he goes back. So he has like 12 to 14 family members. They have big homes and you know how it is. So... their house got bombarded due to some wrong information so all his kids he was working Mm -hmm. in uae okay he had his own business or something i don't know in detail what he was doing but that's what i heard from my other family members like no one's left so he's the only person left this was like an errant u.s strike strike just because of miscommunication that's what i know that's horrible so the only thing he said it was like everything was gone i only found a piece of uh, the leg piece of a goat that's all the kids family uh, but this is one of the incident uh, that i you know wanted to share yeah. like this kind of a life people uh, it's not like they are animals they are humans they had better life when you know taliban was not there and if you can see how afghanistan was afghanistan was really good modern nice you know uh, but in from past 45 years, there is constant war, 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 war. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm shocked how these people are still alive. Yeah. I mean, it's shocking. And it's got to be so frustrating. I mean, this is your homeland. You were yeah. born there. You still know so many people there. And it's just been decades of strife. I have see, I see, you know, observe and analyze. I see immigrants. Like, you know, when they come, everybody is so devoted to their work, to build their family, to build their home, their, you know, uh, 
I mean, people are so uh, down to earth and, you know, wanted to make a beautiful life. I mean, they can, nobody wants, you You don't want to leave here. Mm-hmm. You don't want to leave here and live in Japan. Okay. Your family, your homeland, the homeland gives you everything. Mm-hmm. My, my father used to quote this in his last days. He was like, because uh, Afghanistan, I have three mothers. Afghanistan gave me a birth. India, he was there for long. He said, that's my... Uh, second mom mm-hmm. and my f- america is my foster mom because mm-hmm. i'm here i've been treated here for my you know health issues and everything so i mean i learned from him i mean you got to respect mm-hmm. and that's what i'm going to teach my kids where you're going to live that's where you're going to have everything and you're going to respect and you're going to give your hundred person so and it's not me and it's not me it's all the immigrants i mean they have good faith love and i'm pretty sure if one day they have to even sacrifice sacrifice themselves for the country here they will be the first people not even americans i can tell you so it's it's you know we we have love we have love for the country because you can only love when you face when you see struggle in life mm-hmm. you know when you have a better life you don't know you know, I see, as you know, we have so many things going on in America, small issues, but they don't even know how they should be really thankful to God. They're living in this beautiful land with too much of tolerance, you know, laws, freedom, you know, everything is here, you know, but small, small issues sometimes really shock me. You know, I see rights here for no point, you know, there is no I mean, it's it's sometimes really shocking me that people get upset about things they, here. You know, just just love each other, man, and just thank, be thankful that you are in a you are in a heaven. You know, yeah. people don't have help. People don't know what what they what will be their next meal. Sometimes they don't even know for days what they're gonna eat. People eat. I've seen people eat stones, not even plants. And here we have tons of help, tons of, you know, I mean, we should be just thankful. That's what, that's what my message to everyone here, you know, just, just respect the country here. Kais Mirage hopes to one day use his social work background to open a nonprofit organization. He wants to help people, immigrants and native St. Louisans alike. He told me that he hopes his kids will have the same motivation. I mean, they're not going to have experiences like us or like our parents. Our parents were more, I mean, it's like stage by stage. Uh, my grandfather was killed by Taliban. He was working for government. Uh, in fact, he was working for U.S. Uh, for something which I'm not exactly sure. But uh, my dad went to military school and they sent all these you know, threat letters to my grandfather, like, hey, call your son back. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there's, there's going to be some different consequences. So he was uh, disregarding those uh, threats and stuff. But one day they picked him up from his roof. He was sitting and having coffee, I mean, tea. Uh, they picked him up and they didn't found his body, just a piece of his hand, which uh, my uh, grandmother uh, recognized his watch. Wow. So that was one of the reasons my father got ill too because of all he thought because of him, mm-hmm. his father died. Uh, 
Yeah. Because he don't he, he because of education. Mm-hmm. He always wanted to have and he's one of the few people in his uh, village or you know province that he was educated. That's how he got diplomat. Mm-hmm. He'd been to so many other countries. Uh he spoke several different languages. But that was always, you know, eating him inside that you know, his father lost his life maybe because of him. Kais Mirage knows his kids will likely have an easier time than he did. These days, he's focused on the refugees just getting to the U.S. from Afghanistan. He wants people born in the U.S. to better understand the physical, emotional, and financial burdens that new refugees face in this country. So we landed here and we have to work really hard, twice or thrice as much as a normal person who lives in their own country. And then you have to help your families back home. I mean, I I really don't want to say what I'm helping. I just want to keep it with myself. But every month I have someone that I need to help. Yeah. Every single month. You have There's a big family. Families, you know, the people I know. Mm-hmm. Even sometimes I help I, the people I don't know. And it's not me. I'm pretty. It's all pretty much all the immigrants. They try their best, you know. So it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, when we get an extra bill here in America, we all get first. My goodness, it's going to be another bill here, you know. So, but it's okay, you know. I'm happy. I'm always happy. This episode was produced and edited by Emily Woodbury with podcast design by Jane Mather Glass. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.